So it all started um, with a plague. So we're now between, um, we're in the middle of Passover. We're in times it's called Kol Hamoed, which is the middle days in Passover between the first and the last day. Uh, tomorrow is resurrection day. So it's a very holy time we're in. So let's just reflect on this time. The, uh, the whole thing started with plagues. And we know a little bit about plagues these days. <laughs> Um, but the whole story, the whole story of Passover, the whole story of redemption, the whole story of Yeshua and his salvation, what he did on the cross, it all started uh, with plagues. Uh, we know the story that the people of God, the children of Israel, were in Egypt and they were crying out in their slavery. And God, in his timing, God, in his timing, came down and rescued his people, heard his people, and rescued them because. The inheritance of the people of God is not slavery. The inheritance of the people of God is freedom and victory and liberty. So God came down in the right time, in his time. He heard their cries and he started to inflict on Egypt plagues. And you started to see as the progression of the plagues continued, you started to see something very unique. The plagues started to differentiate, to make distinction between the children of Israel and the Egyptians, people of God and the people of the world, let's say, people of the Hebrew people and the Egyptians. The plagues were hitting Egypt, but the people of God were safe. It would not touch the people of God. Like for instance, the plague of darkness, it hit Egypt. All of Egypt was dark. But the people of God were in light. They were still lit in light. They were not affected by the darkness. Praise the Lord. And that's how the plagues progressed until we come to the last plague, uh, which is sort of like the death blow type of plague, the last final plague that God was going to inflict. This plague was different. Um, whereas, like I said, the previous plagues the children of Israel, the people of God were completely safe and unaffected by the plague while Egypt was affected by it. This last plague was different. It was going to affect everybody. It was going to affect Jew. It was going to affect Gentile. It was going to affect Hebrew. It was going to affect Egyptian. It was going to affect the rich. It was going to affect the poor, the righteous, the unrighteous, the rabbi, the pastor, the drug addict, the prostitute, everybody. The, the, uh, the, the, the pagan, it was going to affect everybody. There was nothing that anyone can do to avoid this last plague, except one thing. They were to take a lamb into their house five days before the time of its sacrifice, of its slaying. It says it happened on the 10th of Nisan, which is five days before Passover. They're to take this lamb in, keep it in their home, five days. And then on a specific night, Passover night, they were to slay the lamb and put the blood on the doorpost of their house. And it didn't matter at that point what your life was like. It didn't matter if you were righteous. It didn't matter if you waited for God to come and you believed the promises of God. It didn't matter if you forgot about Adonai and you just left him and became an atheist. It didn't matter if you were holy or unrighteous. It didn't matter if you were Egyptian or Hebrew. Nothing mattered. There was one thing only that mattered, that the blood of the lamb 
was put on your doorpost. And if the angel of death saw that, it would have no right to enter the house. If the blood of the lamb was on the doorpost. Very different from the other plagues, which there was a distinction between people. The, the last plague was, was, was stopped in a house by one thing that this lamb's blood was on the doorposts. So the, so the children of Israel brought in the lamb, this is five days prior to Passover. And this lamb was very special. It was given a name. It was given the name, the Pesach lamb. We've never seen that word before, Pesach, which means Passover. We never see it before. And surely that people around that time were used to slaying lambs, whether it was for a sacrifice to a God or if it was just to eat. But this was a unique lamb. It was an unblemished lamb. It was a perfect lamb. It was a spotless lamb that had to be brought into the house five days prior and then slain. And the blood of the lamb was put on the doorpost. And then this plague had no impact on the house, Jew or Gentile. It wasn't just putting the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. They actually had to eat the lamb because after they put the blood on the doorpost they came into their homes and they had the very first passover seder passover meal they had to eat the lamb because it's not enough to just slay it and put the blood on the doorpost the lamb the spotless lamb must be internalized it must be inside you the lamb must be within you so they had to eat the lamb god gave other instructions as well they were to eat it with maror bitter herbs uh, which these days is like a horseradish or a radish or something like that. So they would always remember the bitterness that they came out of because God wants us to remember what he took us out of. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Forget not. Forget not. He doesn't want us to forget what he took us out of. So we eat the lamb with the bitter herbs and they ate the lambs with bitterness. So they would remember the bitterness that they came out of. They were to eat it also with unleavened bread, uh, matzah. Because not only did the, did the dough not have time to rise when they were getting out of Egypt, but also it's called the bread of affliction. They were to eat it with the bread of affliction as well. So they kept this in their house and the angel of death had no authority, no authority to enter that house. This was such a pivotal moment for the people of God, for the children of Israel, that God changed time to memorialize it. He said in Exodus 12 that this event, this event is so important. It's so critical for you. I am going to make a brand new calendar. And this month, the month of Passover is going to be month one, month one for your, for your years this month, because it's so important what I did, God is saying, that we're gonna memorialize it. Because when God does something spectacular, he marks it down for us to remember. And this was so spectacular that it declared, he declared this is gonna be the first month of your, of your year. This was so important, this event, that the children of Israel were to do it every single year at this time. They were to bring a lamb to the temple, a perfect lamb, and have it slain and bring it again back into the house and, and eat it with the same elements. And the children of Israel were doing that year after year. It was so important they were to do it every single year. So important that when, when their children were to ask mom and dad, what are we doing and why are we doing this thing? Mom and dad is commanded to tell the children of God's deliverance what he did. 
This event was so important that it wasn't just a single event. God instituted a seven-day festival. It starts with this moment of Passover, but then we go to seven days of unleavened bread, a festival of unleavened bread where the children of, of Israel and the people of God stay away like, like um, Jay and Miriam are doing of leaven. Uh, so important, this festival, this, this moment of Passover that a seven-day festival was declared where we stay away from unleavened bread. And the children of Israel are people, people of God, faithfully kept it, faithfully kept it, faithfully kept it. And they even added more elements just to tell the story even better. As we know, they, they created a, a book called the Haggadah, which means the telling, because Exodus says, tell your children. They created a, a, an elaborate dinner and celebration and commemoration for this thing called the Seder, which means the order. And they've added other elements as well. Like, so as you, so as you eat the meal, you're telling the story. The food of the meal tells the story. So they added parsley, which represents the hyssop where the blood of the lamb was put on the doorpost. So as we tell the part of the story where the blood of the lamb was put on the door, we actually eat the, the parsley, which looks like the, hyss the hyssop. There's uh, something that's called haroset, which looks like uh, the clay and, uh, and the mortar that was used when the, the Hebrew slaves were building the storehouses. So when we, uh, when we learn about that, as we recite the story in the Seder, we get to eat something that looks like the, the, the mortar. So, so the elements of the meal tell the story as we eat it. And this was established. It's a, a beautiful thing. And we all did it together. And thank you, Nate, Nate, Nate and Megan and family. Nate and his mate, Megan. Um, and family for a wonderful Seder. That was a, that was a wonderful blessing. Uh, and the children of Israel have been doing it year after year after year, commemorating what God did. But as we know, God is not just the God who did. He's the God who did. He's the God who's doing. And he's the God who's gonna do. He's the God who was, the God who is, and the God is who is to come. So everything of God, as we spoke about last week, is, is what, how amazing it is what he does today. It's a foreshadow of the, something more spectacular that he's going to do. Glory to glory. As we said last week, last glory may have been really glorious, but it doesn't compare to the glory he's going to do. The former reigns and the latter reigns, the former reigns were refreshing and wonderful and fantastic. Hallelujah. But the latter reigns Will, will make the former pale, pale in comparison. He's always doing greater things. And even with Passover, even though the Seder, for the most part, is they look back into what God did for us in Egypt, there's something in spirit saying, this isn't just a look back because I'm not the God who just looks back. I'm the God of forward. I'm the God of the future. I'm the God who does, who was, but also who is to come. And this event also was a foreshadow of a greater thing. And that greater thing happened 2000 years ago. And just as the children of Israel brought the lamb in to their home five days prior to its, its slaying, let's start in John 12. We know the story uh, in John 12. It's the story of when Yeshua was at the home of Lazarus and Mary and Martha were there. And we know the story really, really well. Martha had perfume and she poured the perfume on Yeshua's feet. She washed his feet with her hair. We know the story extremely well, extremely well. What we miss sometimes is that John 12 verse one says when 
it happened. And John 12, verse 1 starts with six days before Passover, this event happened, this dinner happened where, where, where Mary, Mary washed the feet of Yeshua. Six days before Passover, it says. And John chronicles the story and then says, on the next day, the next day, how many days before Passover would be the next day? Use your hands to tell me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Five days before Passover, what happens as we continue to read John 12? Yeshua is on a donkey and he comes in to Jerusalem. Remember, Exodus 12 says, Five days before Passover, the lamb is brought into the house. Now John is telling us five days before Passover, Yeshua, the lamb of God, the Passover lamb of God comes in to the house of his father. Right on time. And the people around take their palm branches, which represents royalty. We even see that on the coins from that time, palm branches as a symbol of, of Israel, similarly to how a Jewish star is a symbol today, like the palm branches were a symbol back then. And they're saying, Hoshiana, Hoshiana. And, you know, you know the expression, two Jews, three opinions? Well, when it comes to like, what does Hosanna mean? You got like two Christians, three opinions. I keep hearing different interpretations of what Hosanna means, but I'll tell you what it really means. It's just the anglicized version of a Hebrew word, Hoshiana, which means save us. Hoshiana means save us. It comes from Psalm 118, which says, save us, Hoshiana. And then it goes, Baruch haba, Bashem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's Psalm 118. So the people were just singing, probably singing Psalm 118. Hoshiana, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Why were they even singing Psalm 118 at that time? That psalm is sung at Passover time, at Passover seders. So five days before Passover, the Lamb of God, the Passover Lamb of God. We know Yeshua is the Lamb of God. He's even called the Passover Lamb in Paul's writings. It makes so much more sense when we really go back to the root of this, to the Passover lamb and what happened there. He is the Passover lamb of God, and he came into the house of his father right on time, five days before. So now it's Seder time. Now it's Seder time in the first century. It's the year of when this Passover lamb was to be sacrificed. And it's approaching Seder time. But there's a problem. This Passover lamb had a little bit of a problem. It's a little bit of a problem, because remember, the Passover lamb is slain and then eaten in the Seder, right? Of course, first the lamb is slain, and then the lamb is eaten with the Seder. So first comes the slaying, then comes the Seder. That makes logical sense, but there's a problem. This Passover lamb... was not going to be alive for the Seder because he was the Passover lamb. So he was going to be slain. He wasn't going to make it to the Seder. He could not have a Seder at the normal time when all of Israel was going to have their Seder because he was going to die just before it. So in Luke 22, he goes to his disciples. He said, oh, how I eagerly desired to keep the Passover 
with you before I suffer. So the night before Passover, not at the usual Seder time, but the night before, Yeshua gathers his disciples and he has a Seder. And the one who previously said to them, I have not come to abolish the law, the Torah, or the prophets, but to fulfill it, looks at the Seder plate with all the elements and says, this is me. This is me. And he took the wine, which was part of the Seder. And he said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you. We've been drinking it every year in the Seder. And it, it, it represents the deliverance of God and the four um, verbs used in the Torah to describe God's deliverance from slavery, four cups, four words. And it's been drank every year as a symbol of God's deliverance. And now Yeshua is saying, this is me. This is my blood. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you. He then takes the matzah. And we know This crowd knows what's going on in the Seder, but I'll repeat it. He takes not just a loaf of bread, he takes the matzah and said, this is my body broken for you. But let's see what is actually in the Seder. The Seder has three, if you can see it, matzot, three matzah stacked, one, two, three. And thinking of it, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, what happens in the Seder is the middle matzah, the middle matzah is taken out and broken. And this is when he said, this is my body broken for you. And half of it is eaten in the Seder at that point in time and the other half is wrapped in a cloth, wrapped in a cloth, like Yeshua's body is about to be wrapped in a cloth. This is called the afikom, and it's a Greek word. It means what's to come later, comes later. So one half of this matzah is broken and eaten at that time. The other half is wrapped in cloth, like Yeshua's body was about to be wrapped in cloth, and it is hidden in the house and put away into the end of the service, into the end of the Seder, at which time it is brought out and it is revealed and it is eaten by the participants. This is his body broken for us. So his Seder continued, he was betrayed, he was arrested, he was beaten. He was tried and he was convicted. The innocent Passover lamb was sentenced to death. And now, probably close to 24 hours after the start of his Seder, 
he was on the cross at the exact same moment that the Passover lamb of Exodus 12 was slain. Not just the same day, but the exact same time the Passover lamb was slain. Yeshua, the Passover lamb, was on the cross. And just as the death of the Passover lamb and the sacrifice of the Passover lamb brings in a seven-day festival of unleavened bread. Let me explain what this means. Miriam has shared with us how she um, cleaned the leaven from her house and how the leaven represents sin. We know that leaven represents sin. And the people of God, the children of Israel, the Jewish people have been doing this year after year after year before Passover, going through their home with a fine tooth comb. Rhyme unintended. Even sometimes with a candle looking under every cushion, looking for little crumbs, any crumb they could find. When you think of leaven as sin, how hard is it to find all the leaven that's in our house? How hard is it to find all the leaven that is in our own house? It's so hard. They go through a candle and look for it. And like I said, when we were sharing testimonies that all the time, you know, mid Passover, I find a bit of leaven that wasn't removed. How hard is it to remove the sin from ourselves? Yeshua, the greater thing, did something greater. This Passover lamb, when he was on the cross, took all the leaven from all of Israel and put it on himself. He took all the leaven from Israel and put him on, put it on himself. Every house of Israel and house in Israel and house of, of everybody who follows this, they clean their houses as best they could. And then at Passover, they declare that this house is clean of leaven. This house is clean of leaven. My house is clean of leaven. My house is clean of leaven. But Yeshua took all the leaven from the world and put it on himself and said, that house, you is now clean of leaven. He who knew no sin became sin. He who knew no leaven became leaven. So you can be the righteousness of God. So you can be unleavened. And this is why the Passover event is followed by a festival of unleavened bread. If unleavened means sinlessness, it's a festival of sinlessness. That is what Yeshua brings because he put all sin, all leaven upon himself. It is a greater thing that he did. Praise the Lord. And we will find also that tomorrow on Resurrection Sunday, it was also a greater fulfillment of a holiday, uh, also from the Torah. So bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. And we pray, we pray, we pray at this time, especially in this time, as we're all dealing with the virus and we're all seeking God. And so many are seeking God. May many, many, many people put the blood of the lamb at this time on their doorposts. I am so encouraged. I got to tell you, there are so many Christians around the world who really felt led to keep communion, to take communion at Passover. And I'm so blessed by that because communion is like, like a Christian's version of Passover. You know, it's like the simple way Passover is kept in churches worldwide. I'm so blessed by that. You know, just to take, take the bread and take the juice and remember the lamb, the Passover lamb of God 
at that time. So many Christians around the world felt, felt inspired and led to take communion at Passover. And so many Christians around the world are looking at the time between Passover and Pentecost, which will be at the end of May. And that is so biblical because we count up the time from Passover to Pentecost. It's called counting of the Omer. Christians all over the world are doing it now. They don't even realize what they're doing. I'm so, so encouraged by that. So may this be a time where many people around the world experience the Passover Lamb of God. May they put the Lamb of God on the doorposts of their house, and may they allow him, Yeshua, to take the leaven from their homes and put it on himself, which he did on the cross, and be set free. The inheritance of the people of God is not slavery. It is liberty. In Yeshua's name, amen.